Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. Joining us today is a friend of the program, and a uh, he's been a guest a few times. We love having him on. He's a guy, a very detail-oriented gentleman. It is Ron Winter. Ron, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. Ron, you're from Vermont, but uh, you love to fish Lake Ontario. You love to fish, you fish Lake Champlain a lot. But today we're going to be talking about the Niagara Bar and kind of how you fish it with your trailer bull boat and how you move around. But first of all, just tell me a little bit about why somebody would want to do this. What's so special about the Niagara Bar that you would drive almost 500 miles to go and fish it? Well, that's a great question because uh, we, I've often heard how great the bar is. This was going back to 2003. It's always been on my bucket list. And uh, that actually, it took a neighbor of mine that lives in the next town. He placed in the top 10 derby in the middle of May, and I happened to see his name on the, uh, you know, on the list that he was leading in the derby. So I called his wife up and said, hey, is he back yet? Oh, he won't be back to after the derby which is a 10-day derby, but he'll call you. But he called me and uh, told me a little bit about the bar and uh, said, well, I'm going to go next year. This was in 2003. And uh, it's considered like some of the best spring king salmon fishing in, uh, you know, in, in the world. And uh, we fished Browns and Oswego and, and some kings when they come in, you know, and when we, in, the, in the 1990s, when we fished Henderson, in uh in the 80s but this spring fishing for kings was something new to us new to me and uh something i always wanted to try ron what is it about though about the characteristics of that area that make it so good why is why is the fishing good in that area well it's that green water chris coming out of lake erie and uh it comes over the falls and down about 18 miles it just there's this big three mile delta and this green water plume uh attracts a lot of bait fish and uh, I, I literally, it's, it's like a vacuum, I, I swear it, it sucks in all the salmon in the whole lake that hang off that bar in the month of May as that water warms and the bait move in to that warmer water and that green water. And, uh, it's, uh, and it's also, what's really neat is it's a spoon bite. And these fish are only 40, 50 feet down. So you don't have to run flasher flies, you don't have to run meat. It's, it's a blast catching them on spoons and off riggers and dipsies. And uh, it's a very simplistic way to catch them without putting a lot of gear in the water. So if somebody wanted to start planning a trip to go do this right now, how would you kind of go about putting a plan together to go, to go fish this Niagara bar trip? Okay, well, first thing we do is uh, we identify, well, the derby was going on and uh, this gives us a little bit of information as far as where guys are fishing. And uh, this information is really good because we'll, we'll actually you'll target the weekdays because weekend fishermen, it can get pretty busy there, especially during a derby. So we try to get both of, catch the most of both worlds. And uh, by fishing, you know, on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, gives us a big advantage that the fish aren't being pounded. And yet there's enough room there at the bar that uh, you know you can get away from packs of boats. And so what we do is when we plan a trip, we leave about five, 6 a.m. It's an eight and a half hour drive and uh, mostly interstate. 
we get there about two in the afternoon, Chris, and uh, we break down all our stuff, put the canvas up on the boat, and by four o'clock, we're launching the boat and doing a shakedown cruise. Because remember, we're not fishing here every day. We only go twice a year to Lake Ontario. So it's really important that when we go there, that we get all our, our you know, our, everything crossed and our eyes dotted because we're getting everything all ready. We're doing our shakedown for three hours. And the bonus is catching a few salmon that night because it's mostly a morning bite. So we put ourselves in position so that we're up at five o'clock in the morning, Monday through Thursday, every day, and getting out there before most everybody else, setting up in the, in, in the dark, waiting sunrise. And so that we're ready when those fish part, start chomping because the best bite is the first two hours, two, two and a half hours from 5.30 when sunrise comes up to eight o'clock. So the other thing we do, and when we're planning this trip, we buy our eight day license and you can buy it online through Ontario. And I think it works out to about $23 with the exchange. Uh, this is a conservation license. It's not the full license, which is $40. This one, it just allows you to keep one salmon. Well, we'll, you know, keep one for entering in the derby because we get in the derby as well, the lock derby. As the lock derby is going on, it's the third day when we get there on Sunday. So we get our Canadian license. So if we have a hard northeast blow, which does happen sometimes, and it'll blow the cold water into the bar from the main lake, you know, from east, and it'll push the warm water to the west in Canadian water. So by having that Canadian license, it allows us to just go left when we come out of the Niagara bar to fish that warmer water and uh, where the fish might be. And also there's a lot less traffic, which is nice, but not everybody gets their, their license. So those two, that's a really important part of the, the trip is having that Canadian license, being in a derby. And, you know, I'm turning 60 in a few weeks and I've been fishing Ontario for 40 years. And we always fish during a derby because you never know if you're going to catch a, a fish that's going to, you know, be a money fish. And we don't put a lot of emphasis on that. But, hey, if you're over there fishing, you might as well be in the derby. So that's basically, you know, that's most of our plan uh, when we're planning to go out there. Where do you usually put your boat in? Yes. Uh, the mouth of the Niagara River. There's a beautiful double launch. And uh, if there's a big Coast Guard station right there. You can see it uh, a few hundred, two or three hundred yards from the launch. So it's right at the mouth of the river. And uh, when we launch out of there, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a calm launch because it's in the river, a lot of current right there, but uh, it's right there at ground zero. And uh, eight miles to the east is the port of Wilson and another eight miles is Alcott. So anywhere for that, where this plume hits the, the lake from the Niagara River and Lake Erie, it all travels, you know, east and that that area the whole area is good which brings up the point hey if we have, see some wind coming up and stuff the next day on the forecast we'll put that boat on the trailer and head eight miles east in front of wilson because maybe they're catching some 20 pound kings which you know what incidentally you need a 20 pound fish to be in the derby to enter a fish there's 20 places so or the same with alcott which which ties in very nicely to a trailer and a boat you know to where the fish where the bite is Something that we uh, do a lot on Lake Champlain back here in Vermont. You know, we're always trailering to the bite. So we're not stuck on a dock, you know, and uh, stuck fishing this one small area of the lake. Tell me a little bit about, you did say that you, this is kind of a spoon bite, you're fishing spoons, you're using dipsies, but what does that spread look like? How many rods are you putting out and how are you getting your lines down? Okay. Uh, 
really simple. We run four riggers on the boat. And, uh, you know, when we go out there and set up at uh, five, eight, five, quarter after five, five thirty, we're putting two riggers down at 30 and 40, one at 30, one at 40, the other two at uh, 35 and 45. Cause so that first hour, the fish are really chomping and it, you know, because of the dark, uh, you know, it's, it's low light situation. And with the, the Kings that, you know, this is their best time. Uh, it creates a lot of, you know, trolling these mag spoons that we're using. Uh, the, uh, our favorite are these black glow. One is by Moonshine. It's called a carbon 14. And the other is the uh, Frankenstein by Silver Streak. These are my two favorite spoons, and I put six of these in the water. So, so we have a 25-foot lead on the riggers. We run them, like I said, at 35, 45, 40, and uh, 30, and with 25-foot leads. And on the dipsies, I run them at 90 feet out and 120. So that effectively, on a three setting, that gives us, uh, you know, one's running at 30 feet and the other is running at 40 feet. So that's our program. It's really simple. Uh, I don't bring any copper. I don't bring any boards. I don't bring any cut bait. Uh, I don't bring any lead core. And, and the reason is I like the small signature of the smaller boat. So I'm not running into people and uh, you know running into crowds of boats, which we'll troll away from, but uh, it gives us a really small you know, signature and the way the fish chomp those first two hours, we catch 70% of our fish from 5.30 a.m. to eight o'clock. And a lot of the charters are coming out at six or some of the rec guys are coming out 6.30, seven, 7.30. And we've already got four or five kings in the box, you know, and it's not uncommon to get doubles and sometimes triples. And while guys are still, you know, en route to the, to the launch area. So that's part of our strategy is that we capitalize, you know, and really focus in on that crazy bite where you can use four riggers and uh, two dipsies. And what really helps us is just there's just two of us. And we use the autopilot on our boat to help steer the boat while we're netting fish, playing doubles. And that really helps, you know, with a small boat, uh, keeping everything nice and straight when you're when you're battling fish. Uh, about we and two people on your boat, but uh... It's something that you typically do with some friends, with some other boats. Uh, tell me about how you kind of work that into your strategy. Yes, that's, that's a really good point. Uh, since we've been going out to the bar for 17 years, we have developed in, in, in some really nice uh, relationships with some folks from Pennsylvania. And, there's, and also some guys from Vermont. And we all pool our information together and we'll text each other. And, and sometimes we're on the radio on 68, you know, when we're, we're catching fish. And uh, we share all this information and it's a, it's a great uh, way to come up the ladder quick. And, uh, you know, we're dividing and conquering, you know, fishing different areas. And once we start pounding fish, uh, you know, somebody will let each other know and we'll uh, just dial it in. I mean, I remember one time uh, we, we should have went straight out and just started fishing, but said, oh, let's go east eight miles. Well, after 45 minutes, we, we didn't even move a rod. It was discouraging. This is about five years ago. And my buddy says, boy, we're getting them right out front. And I'm thinking, oh. So we raced, we picked everything up and we full speed back to the front of the bar where we, where we came out, which is, you know, it's about three miles of drop off. 
in the, in the borders of deep water. We started, as soon as we put the lines down, bang, 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 all day, doubles, triples, double. I mean, all morning. We quit at three o'clock, we were tired. We had landed 42 salmon, had over 60 bites, and we probably could have kept catching fish, but we, we were just, we were just beat. And that's just a great story about, you know, using teamwork and working with guys to uh, help, you know, drill it down and get and find the active fish. Tell me a little bit about that, Ron. How do you decide, you're talking about you guys went eight miles out and they stayed close. When you're, yes. when you're doing this, how do you decide kind of where your starting point's going to be and, and where you're going to get your day started? Well, typically, you know, we start just right out front. We run that three miles and it takes about 20 minutes in the dark, you know, because we've got to go slow because sometimes there's some debris that comes out of the river. And you don't want to hit it. So we go kind of slow. I use a spotlight. And uh, once we get out there, we know we set up, but uh, other times we'll run on a 45 degree angle, follow the shoreline down, you know, and this is to so I'm out three, two or three miles uh, towards Wilson and we'll set up there. Other times we'll head straight to the Canadian water and go, go left. So it's pretty much, it's perpendicular, you know, either out front and control seven, eight miles to the uh, east to Wilson, or you can go into Canada, which is, it's only, you know, you're right on the border when you come out of the river, you turn left and go into Canada and fish, you know, up to eight miles away at the Welland Canal. And the Welland Canal is where the ships go, they go through from Erie to Ontario. And there's a lot of warm water that comes out of that as well. And that's a real fish magnet there. So this is all great water. And, you know, if we're catching them in one spot, you know, I mean, somebody eight miles down the lake at Wilson can be still catching them, you know, in a, say 150 feet of water, 130 feet of water, but at the same depths something Dan Keaton from, uh, from Michigan has talked about a lot, you know, laterally, you can catch fish along a, a certain depth range, you know, east and west. So tell me about, about that a little bit. Uh, you guys get out there. Uh, how do you kind of navigate the, the boat traffic that's out there and, and kind of set your, your trolling direction and, and how you're going to go about doing that? Yeah. So, you know, the first hour is not too bad when we're out there until people start setting up. Then all of a sudden you look over your shoulder if you just caught a fish and there's a pack of boats coming at you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we troll east and west because the bar runs, you know, along that. Uh, the deep water is north. Okay, so if we see a pack of boats coming, we try to avoid any, any issue and then try to stay out of the boats. And we'll just turn the boat around and start trolling back the way we came. Uh, sometimes, you know, you might get pinned against the bar meaning somebody's got boards out, we'll just say a charter captain, and we try to give them a lot of yield because they've got customers and we don't want to, you know, we know they're, you know, they're generally pretty courteous. So if, if I find I'm going to get pinned against the bar, meaning if I go to the left, say I'm trolling west, and I'm going to run into 30, 40 feet of water, Chris, with all my gear, and that's what I mean by being pinned against the bar. And I see a boat coming at me at 45 degrees with, copper and planer boards out, that's just a recipe for disaster. So what do I do? Uh, well, first I'll grab one of my Dipsy rods and bring it over to the other side that's close to his, his path so we don't lock up Dipsy's or, or run into his copper. Or if it's really close and, I, you know, and it's a last second type of thing, I'll bump, put the boat in neutral and let him just go on by without a collision course with his boards or a person's Dipsy. So those are some of the strategies it's, you know, as long as you keep an eye out, but, you know, sometimes stuff happens and uh, you lock up dipsies and, but, uh, but generally speaking, you know, if as long as you're cognizant and careful, 
you know, and, and avoid by taking the high road, okay, and, you know, putting your boat in neutral or bumping it, you can bump it in neutral too, you know, keep the stuff traveling a little bit. Uh, it avoids problems, but we try to, we try to stay away from the crowds of boats. And there's a lot of room too, uh, east and west. We, we're talking trailerable boats here. Um, tell us a little bit about your boat. Uh, what, what's it all about? And, and why did you choose that boat to do uh, your type of adventures? Well, I've always been partial, Chris, to a bow rider. I owned a 19-foot sea nymph my dad bought in 1985. And uh, that was, uh, you know, 35 years ago. And we ran that boat for 26 years. And uh, when I went to get a new boat here back in 2013, uh, we settled on a similar boat because it didn't make the sea nymph anymore. And that was the Starcraft Fishmaster, the 196. Well, what's, what's unique about these boats that I really like is the fact the back of the boat is closed off. You have no multi-species multi, uh, platform where they put seats on, you know, to make it a multi-species boat to fish off of. So it's, these are boats are strictly uh, for trolling. And the Big Water Fishmaster was perfect, only it was a bigger version of my CNF. It's almost 20 feet. It's 19 foot, nine inches. It's wider, deeper, and it, it, it's a, a perfect for big water because you're not going to fall out of the boat netting fish. The boat has cutouts in the back that go halfway back, so you can run a corner rigger, you can net fish, and, and be only two feet away from the water to net a fish, which is, which is just fantastic. Uh, you know, again, the high back, yeah, you get a real safe feeling in, in the boat. The other thing is, I've launched that boat in a hundred I think it was 80 acres this past summer in a small lake in Vermont fishing rainbows. Uh, we were doing some family, family camping and uh, I didn't even use a, uh, there was no dock there. I just spun the boat around, I was by myself and I was able to launch it and fish. So the, the, the nice thing about a 19, 18, 19 or 20 foot boat is uh, it, you have a lot of options from a small lake with no access to Lake Ontario or, or Lake Michigan, some of the bigger lakes. Uh, the other the other big advantage is uh, we frostbite fish here in Lake Champlain, and we uh, my last time on the water was a couple three weeks ago, January fifteenth, and we're already looking at going back out again here, hopefully in early to mid March, like last year. Uh, a couple of my buddies broke ice this weekend and fished on Sunday. They had a one warm day, <laughs> and they broke an inch inch and a half of ice to get out. But, yeah, I was going to uh, say right now is probably not uh, not a good time to get out no, frostbiting this this time of day. No, so. I'm, I'm very partial to a bow rider. I love it. You know, we got, you know, the full canvas and the heater in the boat. We're, we're protected. And uh, it's, uh, it's just a very uh, portable type of boat to, to, to go towards, you know, you can fish the bite. You can go to the location where the bite is instead of, like I said, being stuck on a dock or something. Tell me a little bit about how you have it set up. Uh, what electronics do you have on board? Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I have an HDS7 Lowrance. I also have a, uh, a, a tablet, a Samsung tablet for my GPS, which I download the, uh, uh, the Navionics app. So I have a nice big display there. Uh, I have troll control. I troll with my big engine. I've been trolling with a big four stroke engine now for 13 years and I, I'm partial to Mercury because they have this uh, thing called troll control where you adjust your speed with up and down arrows on the, on the tack. So you can adjust and make very small adjustments and stay right on the, you know, the, the bite and the lure action. 
So that, that's a huge one. Uh, the Fishhawk X, X4D, uh, I like that because uh, temperature is very important and speed. Uh, the other thing about, you know, bringing them up, up the bar is that like Champlain, there's a lot of currents and, you know, the, the Fishhawk, it's very important for us to identify that particular day or that direction, uh, the speed that we need to get the right lure action and mimic that, you know, and that changes from day to day in the directions of the currents. And uh, the other thing that uh, uh, we talk about is, uh, is my autopilot. Uh, this allows us, I have a SIMRAD, and this allows us to, uh, you know, hands-free type fishing. Uh, and I can't tell you how, you know, it's how convenient that is. Uh, when we set it, we're setting lines, autopilot steering us straight. You know, when we're netting fish, it's keeping us in a straight, especially into the waves. Uh, it has the ability, the SIMRAD, to follow structure with, and talk to your fish finder. It's the only one that has this feature that'll keep you along a, a certain depth contour. Using the data, it's plugged in with a NEMA 2000 connection to your sonar. Uh, it also does a zigzag feature. And uh, it's, a, it's just uh, having an autopilot and a Fishhawk X4D to, to me is just like, it's like the, uh, the frosting on the cake. So I uh, run Canon downriggers. Uh, I love Digitrolls because uh, they have the feature of, of oscillating up and down. And plus they have pre-programmed depths and uh, they give you a lot of, uh, you know, um, that, I mean, and when it's calm, that's a great feature to have. Uh, I don't think there's anything else I missed. I think I covered it all. Yeah, uh, you got everything, Ron. You know, yeah. these days people can go to YouTube and learn a lot there. They can listen to podcasts and learn a lot. When you started fishing, that stuff didn't exist. So right. you kind of had a few people that, that you learned from. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the people you learned from kind of as, as you went along and have evolved as a Great Lakes angler? Yeah, what a learning curve, Chris. I'll tell you, you know, it, it didn't come easy, uh, but... You know, back in 1980, I was a uh, freshman at my local college here, just out of high school. We started fishing salmon, and my dad and I would just be glued to the TV set to watch Bill Safe Sr.'s Rod and Reel on PBS. And, uh, you know, it, was, it seemed like, you know, the trip to Watertown and, and experiencing that and watching them catch brown trout and steelhead and salmon was like the, uh, the holy grail, you know, and uh, we would get so excited, you know, and in fact, a funny story is uh, my grandmother couldn't make my UV, my university graduation in 1984. She was sick and she's from Ohio. So my dad said, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to go to graduation or do you want to go fish in the rod and reel derby? This was the first time we ever been to one. And uh, well, you know what the, the choice I made as a 22 year old. <laughs> so that was pretty special, you know, uh, to go fishing in, uh, in that uh, tournament. And so in the 80s, we fished out of Watertown. It was only four hours away. It was relatively close, easy drive. And then uh, things started to slow down a little bit. I don't know if the stocking was as good there in the late 80s. And Oswego now for the 90s was our next target because the, the fish doctor, uh, Ernie Lantine out of Oswego, uh, we saw him on a show. And I don't remember the show, but uh, we thought, wow, look at the catching kings off the right off breakwater. And uh, so we started fishing the Browns in the spring and then we catch some Kings occasionally, you know, 18, 20 pounds some really nice ones and big, big Browns. And we started fishing there also in the fall or late, you know, late August, early September. 
and when the fish were coming back to the Oswego River. And what was nice about this port, if you have a small boat, there's a nice breakwater there to launch. You're only a mile from deep water, which was, was fantastic. So, you know, I've been to Ernie Lantine's classes, you know, and this is all before the internet, you know, and uh, when we're trying to, you know, all this information wasn't around. So 2000, well, now we're up to 2000. And, uh, you know, when I was telling you about my neighbor, I called up his house to find out more about the bar because this is like the, uh, you know, this was our, uh, the, the, we heard so much about the bar. So I've been fishing the bar now for 17 years. And a lot of the stuff, of course, is on social media, fishing reports and uh, seminars. I had been to Dan Keating's and uh, you know, uh, Great Lakes seminars. You know, he was once here on the New York side and I'm taking Ernie Lantine's classes. There was a lot of, a lot of information that came up the, the curve really fast. So, and the other thing is, you know, I mean, there's nothing that beats talking to guys, you know, and being friends with them and uh, all sharing the same information at the campground or at the, the hotel and, or at the launch. So in a nutshell, yeah, there's a, there was three distinct decades. Oh, and the most recent, uh, I've always wanted to go to Oak Orchard. And last summer I, I see Captain Bob Songin's videos all the time. And I, and I was like, boy, what a July destination. So this year was the first we went to in, in July out to the Oak and we had a tremendous three, three and a half days of fishing. And uh, again, that was another one off the bucket list and uh, just, just some fabulous fishing. That's awesome, Ron. Hey, before we wrap up, I just want to give you a kind of an opportunity to summarize or if there's something that you wanted to bring up that I didn't ask you, uh, what else can you think of that, I didn't, that we didn't talk about yet today? Oh, sure. Well, I want to emphasize, this is my approach and strategy that works for me and all, all this stuff I've talked about. And, and I'm saying for anybody that wants to, uh, to, to like fish at the bar or at the Oak or some of these places, there's a lot of fish, just try stuff. I encourage them, you know, we're all doing the same thing more or less, but you know, it's easy to create your own pattern and stuff, but you'd be surprised how similar it is to everybody else. And, uh, every, you know, and the, the big thing is to instill confidence in a program that you're using. And that's, that's 90% of it is the confidence of the, the stuff you're putting in the water and the techniques and take notes. Uh, I, I take notes before we uh, go out. I, re I revise those notes because again, we're not coming back out to the bar for another year. So I have a special set of notes and I keep adding and taking away stuff so that it's more efficient the next time I go out. So basically, you know, I like the four rigger, two dipsy approach. And uh, there's so many fish at the bar, so much, so many salmon. And using the autopilot and your, your Fishhawk X4D and this small footprint approach of a, of a small trailerable boat, it's it's win, win, win. Very cool, Ron. Thanks so much for uh, coming on the show. I also want to give you an opportunity to uh, promote your YouTube channel. I like watching your YouTube videos. They're always quick and simple and and it's not, you know, you're not sitting there watching for 20 minutes, but you get to see some cool stuff. So if people want to find you on YouTube, where can they find you? Yeah, uh, if you type in Ron Winter and type in Lake Champlain or Lake Ontario, because I tested this the other day because to see, because other, other Ron Winters come up. But if you type in Lake Champlain or Lake Ontario after my name, some of my videos will pop up, which will lead you to my channel. Lots of great stuff on the Ron Winter channel, especially if you like seeing uh some trout and salmon from, you know, a boat that's probably similar to what 
a lot of other people are fishing with. Uh, it's a great channel. So, Ron, thanks so much for joining the show. Really appreciate having you on again. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate being on your show and uh, spreading the word. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.